Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the CT Turf Podcast. In this week's episode, I had a chance to chat with Dr. Cale Bigelow from Purdue University. In this chat, we talked about turf students. Dr. Bigelow and Purdue University have an excellent reputation for turning out wonderful turf students. I have a number of friends who have gone through the program, and one of my current assistant superintendents is a graduate of Purdue. We had a great conversation on a number of topics relating to turf students. I hope you enjoy it. All right. Greetings, everyone. I'm here today with uh, Dr. Cale Bigelow from Purdue University. Cale, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Chris. Always nice to see your smiling face. <laughs> well, um, you know, I guess we can fool anybody with with audio only type things, right? Because I could be have I could have a huge frown going right now, but you could. Um, yeah, you it's good to see winter, you. You still have that winter beard going. I do. It's a, it's about due for a trim. So, um, yeah, it's a, maybe, maybe, uh, the next episode that I do next week, it'll be into summer mode. So mm -hmm. once I start going on, uh, once I start daily sunscreen applications, then I usually mm -hmm. have to bring it down to some other level. Otherwise it ends up being white. So yeah. How's everything in West Lafayette? Uh, well, this is, uh, as they affectionately refer to it, as senior week. So graduation for our College of Ag students will occur tomorrow. So it's it's a little quiet around town except for the uh, revelry of the individuals that will uh, matriculate this weekend. So uh, sure, it's uh, it's it's a good place. Uh, you and I were talking just briefly before you press record, just sort of where things are as far as green up and you know growth uh -huh. and all of that fun stuff that our, uh, our our colleague Micah Woods likes to talk about as far as, you know, growth potentials and everything. Yeah. But but we're definitely at a, we, we just flipped a switch here in probably the last seven days as far as active growth in my mind, you know, where we're actually getting uh, some pretty serious clippings on things. And, um, uh, you know, people are going to start to keep up with some mowing, but we've gotten dry too. Okay. You know, you know, the, the drier, uh, you know, periods going to slow some things down, but they're yeah. saying we might get three quarters of an inch of rain over the weekend. So, you know, things will ramp back up, but, but things are good overall. Nice. Things are good. Sounds great. Well, I wanted to talk to you a little bit today about just kind of student, um, you know, maybe the state of turf grass students right now, yeah. because I think we, we had a period where it was very, uh, the turf grass industry was very, let's say turf school was very popular. There were a lot of people who wanted to go into it. And then maybe we had a little dip, which seemed to follow the the dip in golf, but at a delay. And now it seems to me, and you would know better than I, so I'll let you comment on this, but it seems to me that we're maybe starting to go upward again and that more young people are getting interested in this um, line of work. But um you know, why don't we start with that? What What is the state of this, this turf student population enrollment? Um, what do you see right now? Um, to your point, I think it is definitely a challenge. And, you know, it's a multifaceted type of situation as, as far as reasons why it's a challenge. Um, but I would also agree with what you have said uh, as far as interest and in applications and uh, you know, people that, that want to come potentially to whether it's a four-year institution or something else, uh, it seems to be on a bit of an increase. Um, but there's, there's, there's challenges there. Uh, you know, we have a lot of, 
fantastic land-grant institutions and the, um, the metrics for admission uh, at a lot of places have changed. And I can you know, tell you for a fact that you know, a place like Purdue University is not any different than uh, a number of the other sort of you know, upper-tier land-grant institutions from the standpoint that uh, we had a, and, and I was able to track these numbers this past year, is we had a, we had a pretty big pulse of applications. And for whatever reason, uh, you know, admissions uh, wants to wants wants to use the uh, filter of well, this doesn't look like an engineering student, right? You know, and our our turf students they're they're cut from a different cloth. You know, they're 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 not um, coming from some of these you know STEM high schools sometimes, and you know they're looking at the GPAs and you know the the, the test scores at times. Although that in recent years because of COVID hasn't been very much of a of a focus, but you know all these institutions, particularly the higher uh, higher echelon, are all chasing those U.S. News and World Reports things, and and it's mm -hmm. very frustrating for us uh, in places like colleges of agriculture that you know we're being held to uh, the same standard as you know a different college on the university's campus, and uh, there's there's really nothing we can do about that now. Uh, I don't get too down on that because, you know, if somebody wants to come to Purdue University and, and wants to graduate from turf, there, there are different paths to get here. But sometimes it's hard to have that conversation with, you know, parents and or an 18 year old student that, hey, why don't you just go ahead and, you know, take the first semester and start at a community college and transfer in? Because it's, it's pretty rare that we don't have transfers getting accepted, assuming that they can handle the work at a community college. So mm -hmm. there are places for, there are places and ways for them to get into these institutions. But, you know, if you're not direct admit, I can see how I would take it a little bit personally, like, oh, well, you just don't want me. Well, it's not that I don't want you. You know, there's, there's people that are behind the curtain that are making decisions that I have no control over. And it's very frustrating. It's interesting when I think about my own schooling. So I, I'm a University of Minnesota graduate. So at one of those land grant institutions, Big Ten University, with with admission standards that are different today than they were when I went to school. And um, you know, I was I was you're right. It, we didn't think about STEM specifically back then, but I I I did like STEM and I was good at that those sorts of things, but I was not the world's best student. Um and I got into the University of Minnesota, which I probably wouldn't today. And I think you're right. I think that the turf, you know, people who are interested in turf are cut from a little different cloth and maybe a classroom setting isn't their cup of tea. And it, it is a bit of a shame because then they maybe are getting, uh, you know, blocked from some of these wonderful four-year experiences that you can have at Minnesota or Madison or Purdue or Michigan State or you know, name your school. Virginia, right? Right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's too bad, but it's good to hear that there are avenues. Um, I know, you know, another question I wanted to ask you is when a student shows interest. So we were lucky enough a, a couple summers ago to have one of your current students, um, on your recommendation, come and, and work for us, spend a year at Hazeltine. And he was from the Sioux Falls, South Dakota area and was going to come to Purdue as a freshman, and you recommended us to, to him, and he came and worked here. And I, I thought that was really interesting because you seem to have a, a a recruiting process. Maybe that's not the right term, but it it seemed that way to me with, with some of these students. I mean, Hayden was interested in coming in turf. Purdue was one of the places he looked into, 
And then from even the get-go, even before he was a student, you seem to be sort of, um, what's the word, advising him on, you know, what might be a good path, which I thought was really neat. And obviously, you have a lot of wonderful students out there in the industry, uh, many of whom I know well, and um, one of whom is one of my assistants right now. And so maybe talk a little bit about that, just like if it's a recruiting process or an advising process, you know, how do you go about that? Uh, you know, there's, there's so many different ways to go about that. And, and, you know, I, I only, you know, not, not to turn the uh, conversation back on me, but I, I reflect on my own experience and, you know, kind of back to something you said a little bit earlier, you know, I, I was a first generation college student, you know, neither of my parents had gone to college. So this was all like brand new to me. And I was very, very fortunate that when I was an undergraduate, there was somebody that, you know, actually took an interest in me as a person you know, and, and kind of tried to understand, you know, well, where does this individual possibly want to do? And, uh, you know, gave me some opportunities to try some different things. And I guess I've always carried that with me. And so the, the student that you mentioned that came to work for you before he had uh, actually entered the university, um, you know, that process of shopping universities had had happened that winter. And so I had had a opportunity on some cold February weekend that uh, he and one of his parents had showed up and, uh, you know, we in our, our little college of, you know, 2,700 students uh, within the university of 40,000 students, we, we, we take the time when we can to try and get to know uh, a family and a student and, and just kind of understand which direction they might want to go and, and just right from the get-go, I, I knew that this young man was pretty mature and he had he had probably gone as far as he was going to go in his current summer experience. And uh, you and I had met once or twice. And I was like, mm -hmm. you know, if he's going to if he's going to stay driving distance from home, who do I know? And so that was kind of how that worked out. And, you know, he's he's uh, he's maturing into a, um, uh, a really talented individual. And I think that, you know, long term, he's he's the kind of people that we want. We want in our programs and we want to um, encourage other young people to follow behind. So, but, you know, the, the word that we use a lot because bringing the conversation back to like admissions and everything else is, is the advising process is very different now at a lot of institutions. And there's so many boxes to check and there's so much digital compliance, you know, does a student do this or that or everything else is, is the advising process. You almost have to have professional advisors all the time just to kind of constantly be checking to make sure the students are hitting the different marks for whatever the university decides is part of their program. And the role of someone like me is is counseling, mentoring, and I still know the curriculum pretty darn well. So I, I can tell them like, you know, you might want to think about these kinds of courses or, or uh, you know, have you considered this type of minor based on the interests that you've voiced to me. But it, it's really about the counseling and the, and the, the mentoring piece and trying to make sure that uh, as I understand what they're interested in, identifying some professional mentors and, you know, people like yourself and, you know, this this network of, of golf and sports turf group that, that I've, I've gotten to know over the years. And and now, you know, I've been doing this so long. It's it's some of my early students are these mentors. And it's mm -hmm. like, oh, they've got kids of their own and everything. It's just crazy. <laughs> it's like crazy talk. So. But our, our our institution does value the mentoring piece and it's it's actually identified and articulated uh, you know, a student in the in the computer file will have their name, their advisor, and there's actually a little 
uh, box now that they uh, would have a mentor. It could be a faculty and or a staff mentor uh, at this point. Mm-hmm. But but that piece is really, really important. And it's it's valued by this age group as well and, and their parents. They, they mm-hmm. That can sometimes even be a selling point is, you know, what is what is the mentoring look like for, you know, Billy or Susie when they when they when they arrive in August? Yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, I can tell you firsthand the student that we had um, who came the year prior to his freshman year with you, and then he came back again the next year after he had completed his freshman year, um, you know, just from speaking a little bit with his parents and from he himself, there was a tremendous amount of respect for that whole process and for the fact that he had these mentors that he was going to be attached to. And it wasn't just, you know, off on his own you know, um, out in, out in the world by himself trying to figure these things out. And, you know, quite honestly, um, you think about a success rate or whatever you'd like to call it with your students, when you start attaching them to those types of people and those types of that type of mentoring, I imagine the success rate goes, goes, you know, becomes really high. I, I would, I would assume. Well, it it does, and 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 the other thing that you and I both know that's no secret about you know the the the, the turf industry broadly defined um, is it's a hard job, it's a hard job, and there are some bad jobs out there, mm-hmm. right? And so the last thing that I want is for somebody that's you know eighteen nineteen years old to to end up in a situation and 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 think that you know all of these jobs are sort of this one size fits all and they end up at a place that you know has zero resources and they're they're basically a mow and go or a glorified mow and go type of place and they're like mm-hmm. well is this what i'm going to be doing 20 years from now the same mm-hmm. thing as what i'm doing today and uh that's that's just no fun so we take it serious yeah it it certainly has been my experience you know getting to know you and and knowing you know your past students and and having had the good fortune to to work with some of them and, and just have them as friends, I, I do, I see that, you know, you guys do a wonderful job. So, so let me ask you, when you get a student on campus, um, talk a little bit maybe about what you're doing to prepare them. Um, you know, you've got a four-year curriculum, much like I went through at, at Minnesota. Um, you know, how does that, how does that look? And, and what are you trying to give them in school to take out? I, I like to use the term context, because I think that's really important. And it's always seemed a little bit strange to me, like that a student 18 years old would, would start, um, would go to school. I think about the classes that I had as a freshman, Cal, and the, I had no context for those sorts of things, no context for botany or soils or any of those sorts of things. And so I can remember it being a bit of a struggle to want to get through them. And maybe that's my own mentality and the way I think about learning. But I look back now and I think about the concept context I have on those particular subjects. And those those classes would be really interesting to me today. But as an 18 year old, how do you how do you think about getting them interested or in things that are really new to them and that they have very little context in? That is that is a a million dollar question that you just asked right there. But um, what I will say um, is increasingly, you know, our college and all the other colleges on campus are are very aware, very much aware of retention rates. Mm-hmm. And that's a very important part of 
you know, let's 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 admit a student. They decide to come to the university, and and what is this retention rate? Because that's that's been a um, uh, a metric that is you know oftentimes published. You know, what is the for what is the one year retention rate? You know, three year retention rate. You know, are they graduating in four years because cost of attendance and all those other kinds of things are are part of that. Um, that having been said, uh, within the college, there's a there's like a freshman seminar that all the new students would take with our you know office of academic programs, and then within that, there's also departmental like a half credit you know let's let's get to know each other because I think there's a there's a lot of strength in the department that I'm in right now. You have uh, we basically have four majors, including landscape architecture, and so the the, the cross pollination of those students. A lot of them are going to take those same classes their first probably three semesters, you know, first semester chemistry, second semester chemistry, you know, semester botany, public speaking, English composition, all the things that would be very common. So they 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 can they can make a friend that maybe is going to help them. Right. Now, the other piece of that is, you know, the the periodic check ins with people like myself is, you know, hey, what do you what do you what are you up to? You know, what are you interested in? You know, what what did your parents do? Um, and just this past year, uh, my department, myself and, um, you know, three other uh, faculty, we did a learning community. And so these learning communities are part of that, too, you know, this first first year experience. And so having students together from diverse backgrounds with similar interests, you know, a lot of them are interested in plants, but they might be more interested in working at the student farm as opposed to working, you know, in a golf course or sports turf setting. That That's a big part of it. The other thing I have to give a pretty big shout out to is, um, you know, we have this history of a lot of our students will work with the sports turf crew here at campus, and they've been very, very flexible over the years with a student. Uh, if they only have three hours a week, you can still work football games. If you want to work 20 hours a week, there's probably a spot for you. And so that inter, um, I want to say, you might have seniors working there, you might have freshmen working there, and they help each other out quite a bit as well. And so that camaraderie happens pretty quick. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, we're very a, lucky. That's really a, a cool thing to have, I think, um, something like that on campus and have that, that I suppose, a bit of a history. Because if, if I remember correctly, Purdue has a long history of of athletic uh, or of sports turf, um, a long sports turf history, right? Is that did the prescription yeah. athletic turf from years ago? Correct. Came from Purdue, right? Is that where that Correct. started? That that was uh, the brainchild of my predecessor, Dr. Bill Daniel. Okay. Um, it's 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 not a it's not a perfect system, you know. Yeah. You, you can you can poke some holes into the soil physics and other things, but but yes, he was very interested in sports turf even back in the '60s. Uh, and, and with an emphasis on safe playing fields, you know, safe, sure. consistent playing fields. So, and now if I'm not mistaken, we're getting, we're getting off the subject with students here, but I think it's a, it's a, it's a great topic. You were one of the first to sort of get into the idea of having in a more Northern region, a Bermuda base on your, your, your stadium, um, through the summer and then having a, cause that's become pretty common now in in northern reaches where you wouldn't have imagined mm -hmm. it before but i you had that a, a, quite a while back i remember talking with you about it yeah that that was a whole perfect storm of of events and it stemmed from um the summer of 2005 which was a, a very warm summer here and uh there were some challenges with 
folks that were growing some cool season fields, particularly on sandy soils. And, um, you know, that along with, you know, some of the knowledge that I had about the capabilities of Bermuda grass based on, you know, having grown up in the state of Virginia and seeing Bermuda grass fields through that up to that point in my career. And uh, also the knowledge that, you know, some of um, the institutions like Oklahoma State were releasing some more cold hardy Bermuda grasses. And so, you know, when you when you when you're faced with, um, you know, let's either roll out the carpet or try something else. Uh, mm -hmm. We pitched an idea to the athletic department, and uh, I don't know if it was because it was a cheaper price tag than rolling out the carpet, or they were just willing to try something. But um, mm -hmm. you know, our our athletic field manager at the time, Al Capitas, who's in a, a different role here uh, with the, with athletics, but he also had some experience with some Bermuda grass, so. Uh, we tossed the idea to athletics and, you know, it's, uh, it's been a very, very good surface for uh, football and practice football. And uh, as we speak right now, if you go to the Twitter feeds for Purdue sports turf is they're sprigging the women's soccer field right now. Okay. So, um, but these are all newer generations of these cold hardy Bermuda sure. grasses that, um, you know, Purdue sports turf has, has started to refine their recipe on how to, how to best manage them and how to minimize any potential winter kill issues. So, yeah. Yeah. But it's, well, it's, 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 it's fascinating to me. I love, I love sports turf. I don't work in it, but um, I, I think it's really interesting and maybe that's a, a, a extended topic we can, we can do in yeah. another one of these episodes. Um, so getting back to the, the students, um, <laughs> I know you, you know, interns are, internships are really important and I've sort of described the market right now as um, it's, it's like a student's market. Like the students mm -hmm. are sitting there and they, they really could go anywhere. They could go to, they could come to Hazeltine and they can go to Bannon Dunes, mm -hmm. you know, anywhere. Yeah. Um, champ, do you want to do a championship? Do you want to work high and private? Do you want to do public? I mean, really uh, the options are unlimited for them. And so how, how do you help guide a student through that process of, of selecting the place? And then once they select that place, what is it that you want to see them get out of it? Um, maybe talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So, so part of the, the selection piece is, you know, just talking to the student and, and getting a sense for, you know, are you willing to be very far from home? You know, that, 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 that's a big deal, especially as we've gone through this COVID period. You know, there are a lot of students that just want to stay closer to their families for mm -hmm. you know, certain situations. Um, and so, you know, we do have some, you know, really good opportunities within, you know, an hour or two hours from West Lafayette. Uh, by the same token, I know what it was like when I was, you know, 18, 19 years old. And um, I was I was open to the idea of living somewhere completely different. Right. You know, go, go to Arizona or go to California or go to Colorado or, or you know, maybe maybe not Florida in the summertime, but, you know, try out Florida some other time. Because mm -hmm. uh, to your point, there's some fantastic opportunities um, throughout the United States and, and even globally. Uh, what do I want for them uh, just in the big picture is I want them to have fun. You know, I want them to walk into a place that you know, they get excited about, you know, a career in this industry and, you know, working with a mentor that's, um, you know, going to spend a little time with them or they have staff that's going to spend some time with them and really get them continued to be excited about, you know, this potential opportunity of, of this, this is a career for me upon graduation. Um, and, and also I want them to, I want them to start to build their professional network as much as possible, because as you know, and, and as I know, 
you know, there's a lot of people that are our, our contemporaries that have different paths uh, in their careers. We all might have started in, a, in some sort of university setting, and we might have taken similar paths, maybe right to the golf market at one time. And now you have people doing different things, but we all kind of still stay in touch. Uh, if, if you, if you're, if you're staying around the industry. So I want them to have that network of, of peers, but also mentors that, you know, are, are telling them, Hey, this is a, uh, this is a fun job and you can provide for you and your family with this job. Mm. Because if yeah. they make more money, they might actually donate back to the turf program. Right? <laughs> there you go. That's it. So when that call comes in from the Purdue University Alumni uh, Association, it, it makes it easier. Yeah, I, I get those. Uh, my wife and I are both Minnesota grads, so we get those calls. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think you've made some great points, and you know, I have tried to say to people who come here and work for us over the years, a couple different things. One, don't be afraid to go and take a chance on a place in a different location. Um, I was, it's my biggest regret. It has worked out fine for me, but it's my biggest regret that I didn't go somewhere very different to, to work for even just a summer. I always worked around here. I was always, I wanted to be close to home. And, you know, as I said, it, it's worked out fine. But when I think back about my career and what I maybe missed out on, it's it's that experience of a completely different market, a completely different place and getting that experience. And and I think you're right. I mean, fun is a big thing for us, but but fun with in the right in the right place. You know, so so work for the right. I I say you need to look for the a, a place and a person that is going to fit your personality because we've all seen it. We've seen young people who come and go from the industry and and I think a lot of times those that go end up working someplace that isn't a good fit for them. Um, you know, there are grinders out there. There are people who just want to grind. And, and so sometimes those there's, there's a fit for everyone and those places exist. Um, but, but I think most people want to, as you said, enjoy their job, enjoy what they're doing. Um, and, and be able at the end of the day, be able to go home and have a little separation between the work and the the home life. And that's what we've tried to provide. But I think it's really important for those getting into the industry at the beginning part of this, the beginning part of their career, to be thinking of it in that way, as opposed to, I'm just going to go to this place that's going to, you know, I, I think is going to give me the best, the most number of championships, the highest end value, the biggest name. Um, you know, that 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 may not be the best way to have a long, successful career. No, because, I mean, this world will burn us out if we let mm -hmm. it. You, you can get burned out real fast and especially in the turf industry um there's you can we've, we've been around long enough we've seen enough colleagues that have just you know sort of taken their eye off the ball and 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 a lot of it came back to burnout and they you know resources get cut and they're asked to do more with less all the time and that's just that's no fun yep so let me let me ask because purdue is a is a you you have just a four year program. You you do not have a, a two year program uh, attached, or or do you? So um, 
when I first started here, we did have an associate's degree and okay. Purdue and Indiana University were offering associate's degrees. Uh, those associate's degrees kind of got put on the chopping block following the 2008 economic downturn because mm -hmm. one of the big associate degrees that was awarded on campus was, uh, I believe, related to like aviation technology or something of that nature because, you know, there's a pretty long aviation um, history here uh, at Purdue. But yeah, somewhere, somehow, somebody said, okay, all the all the associate degrees are gone now. So, mm. yeah, but we have, we have had a number of conversations and it's a matter of like anything, it's finding resources, you know, potentially to develop some sort of a uh, apprentice program or 10 week winter kind of thing. But, you know, you can't, you can't wear all the hats, but I, I do see the potential need for that. Yeah. Well, and so that, that would um, maybe just dive in a little deeper into that. Um. He, one of your former students and I have had a, a conversation about this numerous times and the the difference between a four-year degree and a two-year associate's degree or, you know, what somebody might get out of that and, and, and the differences. I, I don't think one is, I'm not here to, to advocate for one or the other. I just, uh, you know, it, maybe it's one of those things that there's horses for courses and, you know, there are some students for whom I, a four-year degree is the right thing. And there are others for whom a, an associate's degree is the right thing, but I, I don't know how you feel about that or think about it. If you do. You know, certainly personal preference kind of things. Um, and, and you and I, again, kind of back to, you know, colleagues or friends that have kind of cycled through different points in their career. Uh, you know, if I have a bias towards somebody that's capable of earning a four-year degree, you know, at age 18, um, I'm going to encourage them to, you know, do what they can to, to earn that four-year degree because mm -hmm. it, it's for me, it's it's oftentimes been this idea of I've always wanted to have two doors, you know, and, and from my own career path, it's it's like okay, if I earn the bachelor's degree, then I know I have multiple doors for me at, at the other side, mm -hmm. and you know, then it was like okay, I'll hang around and do a master's, and I knew that would potentially open some doors to I could always go into the turf industry or if I wanted to continue on in grad school, and so. It's always been that two-door theory for me. Um, it doesn't mean that you have to have a turf degree to manage a golf course either, right? Because, uh, you know, I've, I've worked for some folks that um, it didn't necessarily have turf degrees, but they're very well educated and smart people that could manage resources. So you can do that too. But um, I, I just like to see students, if they're in a situation that they're capable, uh, I would prefer to see them get the four-year degree because... Mm -hmm. Uh, what is it? It's is the insurance company that is the uh, if in life, right? You know, the the, the word life, L-I-F-E. Mm -hmm. uh, if you have to change to something else, you still have that four-year degree. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a great point. It's also kind of an interesting situation. And this gets back to, we talked a little bit about this idea of context and an 18-year-old being ready for school and having the appropriate context to go through to sit in classes and to understand, you know, the 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 value of what they're learning. But it almost seems to me that at least in turf, a lot of times 18 young 18 year olds go straight into maybe a four year school. Whereas sometimes some of the associate degrees are older and this is not a rule per se, but, or, but a lot of the associate degrees are maybe somebody who's older, who maybe had a different experience and decided to do it. 
where you almost think that maybe the situation should be reversed. Maybe an associate's, and I don't know the answer to this. I'm just kind of spitballing, but maybe the associate's degree is better for the younger person who just wants to get into that work environment and and get there as quickly as possible. The four-year degree is better for somebody who has a little bit more life context and, and can, you know, do that. But of course that, that's easier said than done because the further mm-hmm. along you go in life and the further you get away from 18 years old, the more that life comes at you and, you know, maybe don't have time for four years of school. <laughs> so, and, and, and I don't think there is an answer here. Right. Um, and, and I've fielded, you know, emails, phone calls, direct messages from lots and lots of people over the years. And, uh, certainly, you know, for some people, something like, you know, some of these online turf degrees make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if, if, if I'm strictly dealing with the capable 18-year-old, I'm going to try and get them to, you know, invest the time and, and uh, invest in themselves to get the diploma. I think you're right. I think it comes down to, and I think what you said about if, what what happens if, you know, that that is where a four-year degree is so much more valuable than, you know, and, and there are great advantages to a, a, an associate's degree or a certificate, but gosh, if it doesn't work out and you decide that's not what you want to do, uh, you know, to, to not have that, that four year to back to, to fall back on is, could be difficult. So. And I even think like, you know, today's economy where you're seeing some of these tech layoffs and things like that. And, you know, if, a, if you ended up in a big corporate situation and they're looking at their list of, okay, who stays, who goes, yeah. and, and you have to reapply for another job. And, you know, you might have a, a bachelor's degree from the College of Ag at Purdue, and maybe you're applying for some sort of a tech job somewhere, and mm-hmm. they're still going to see the bachelor's degree from Purdue University, not the certificate from something else. Sure. So brands yeah. matter. Yeah. Brands yeah. do matter. There's a reason. They do matter. They, they do. And, you know, it took that conversation that I was telling you about for me to really think about, I, I think I haven't always appreciated what I got at the University of Minnesota. And my my diploma sits on my wall over here where I can see it from my desk. And sometimes I'll turn and and see it and just think, you know, wow, that's really like a huge accomplishment. I mean, it was really, I am proud of it. I mean, the, you know, like my plant genetics professor was Jim Luby, who developed the Honeycrisp and the all these wonderful new apples that we have available to us. And so, you know, uh it's just it's a neat thing. And it's I'm I'm proud. Like you said, it's a great brand and I'm proud of it. Um, and it's, and it's, uh, yeah, it's a special thing. It's a special accomplishment that I, I often think about. So, but you stack that brand with a really, really good mentor in the industry. And, you know, again, possibilities for your career are, are for the most part limitless. Mm-hmm. For sure. We got a couple minutes here. I have one question okay. I want to ask you. Oh, we, we had this idea of sort of like a, would you rather, and we, we touched mm. on this subject. So we have three minutes and 40 seconds left before this is going to cut us off. So would you rather, this is totally separate from the, 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 the student thing. Would you rather grow a warm season or cool season greens in the transition zone? So that's a huge, it depends, right? Is so, <laughs> no, no, I was going to no, say, is. you cannot say it depends, but you so, did. So, so continue. So, so, so to qualify <laughs> that it's, it's when is your peak golf season, right? Yep. And, that, yep. and I think that drives so much of that because I've, I've had this conversation with so many people if summer firmness is important to you, then I would say a warm season grass putting green um, would be what I would favor. Jeez, that, that was easy. You you burned almost yeah. no time. I thought we'd go right up to the buzzer with that one. 
So, yeah. okay. Um, how, how, how many fungicides do you want to apply? Right. I mean, right. right. That's a, and we're, you we're know, a lot of assumptions. I think everybody is comfortable get, you know, knows their own. Like I, I think growing grass in Minnesota is fairly easy, but I've talked to people who grow grass in Florida and said, you know, man, you guys are crazy. The stuff you had to do down here. And they think about growing in being in Minnesota where it snows and it freezes potentially six feet deep in the soil. And they mm -hmm. think, Oh my God, I would not want anything to do with that. That, that would be crazy to have to deal with that. So I think everybody just, you know, they, and I think, look at the transition zone and I think, Oh my gosh, I don't want to, you know, you think about the worst summer weather we have in Minnesota and that's basically like Kansas city. That's what you have St. Louis. That's what you have the, for the whole, you know, hundred days yeah. or whatever you want to St. St. Louis to that, you know, Washington, Baltimore area. Yeah. That, I mean, those, those folks, they earn their money in the summer. Yeah. They, they, first, they, they surely do. They surely do. Um, well, look, yeah, we're almost out of time and I, you know, I really enjoyed this conversation. It's great to talk about, you yeah. know, I, I have such respect for you and what you do at Purdue with the, your students and some of the people you've turned out and you, you, you know, some wonderful friends of mine who are at wonderful golf courses have been students of yours. And, uh, this was a subject I, I think was perfect to start off with, but I know you have many more turf related subjects and I, mm. I hope that we can do this again and have another, another conversation. I hope so, I hope so too. I, I hope we can make this a little bit of a regular occurrence and awesome uh, talk for a little while, but it's, yeah. uh, it's, uh, I'm thankful for people like yourself and all the other great mentors that are out there that, that take time and, and get to know people that come to work for them and, and take interest in their, uh, their long-term aspirations, or at least make them think about their long-term aspirations rather than what am I going to mow today? So thank you for that. Well, thank you very much. It's it, It's been a pleasure to chat and uh, and I thank you and I'll look forward to another one again with you soon. Sounds good to me. Bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I am not as down on young people and students as many people in this industry are. I think we've got a great crop of of kids, of, of young people coming through right now coming through the, the turf programs around the, the country. We've had a number of excellent interns here at Hazeltine and it's been a pleasure to work with all of them. Um, I really hope you enjoyed that conversation with Dr. Bigelow. He has some great insights into what it takes to be a good student, what is required at the university level for them to learn and what an internship and what a good internship might look like. So I um, hope you enjoyed the conversation. We'll be back with another epi episode very soon.